Where do I start? How do I train recall? How long should we work on healing before moving on? Is crate training really that important? We hear these questions all the time and there's one answer that will help with all of them. The complete step-by-step -step dog training course found at Standing Stone Supply. They break down the what, when, where, and how to train your own dog from eight weeks to one year old. They've got it all laid out for you down to even the daily activity checklist to keep you and your puppy on track. Check out standingstonesupply.com and remember to use code GDIY to save 10%. Being an upland hunter in the South nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20%. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogityourself.com and complete the contact form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile presented by Standing Stone Supply. This time we have our first female profile. I, I, Gabby, I had to go back and look at it. I couldn't believe that I haven't had a woman on here for a profile episode. Congratulations, you just made history. <laughs> now that you mention it, it's like, actually, yeah, I don't think you have, but I never realized, I never put two and two together. So yeah, I've, I've spoken to quite a few women with the intention of doing a profile that turned into a regular episode. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, so you, you, you made the cut, go ahead and introduce yourself. Where, where are you from? What kind of dog yeah. you're on and all, all that fun stuff. I'm from Hoffman, North Carolina down here in, uh, you know, the sand Hills, uh, North Carolina. And I run German wire hair pointers. So why, why the wire hairs? What, First off, when did you even want to get into gun dogs? And then what made you go with the German wire hair route? So that's a little weird story. So um, I actually started with, uh, well, I used to work at Tractor Supply and I would always pick up the gun dog magazine yeah. when I was 18 and read through it and be like, one day I'm going to have a hunting dog. Um, and I didn't have any, I didn't know what type of dog at all. I didn't know what I wanted. Um, and then in 2020, I finally bit the bullet and was like, I want to get a hunting dog because I wanted to do, I wanted to test an AKC more. And then like, Na then I found out about NAVDA later on, but I wanted to do more of the testing side because I always love watching dogs do what they're bred to do. I have Malinois and I do herding tests with my Malinois. So I kind of was, you know, I don't know. I wanted a dog that was bred to do hunt a dog and do what it was bred to do. And I went with the Vishla because my mom was actually born and raised in Hungary and came and migrated over, immigrated over from Hungary when she was 14. So I went with the Vishla and the Vishla wasn't exactly the right fit for me. She was from show line. She was very much more pet quality um, than a hunting dog. She wasn't what I had my goals to be. And I knew she wasn't exactly, uh, ever going to be a hunting dog besides, you know, the occasional play around with it. So I kind of asked around, I was like, you know, what's everybody's, uh, what's the Malinois version of a 
hunting dog. Like what's hard, hitting, <laughs> what's hard hitting in the field. What, as soon as they get in the field, they just turn on that intensity and they just absolutely have like the, uh, the drive and everything that you're looking for. Like what I have in my Malinois and everybody was like either the German short hair pointer or the German wire hair pointer. And I know some people hate me, but I was like, Ugh, the short hair, everyone has <laughs> short hair. So I actually ended up meeting my uh, friend at the same time, Ashley Pearson, who's my friend. Uh, she had a germ wire pointer. We got started at the same time. We both showed up to our first NAVDA day at the same day at the Carolina NAVDA. And uh, I met her uh, germ wire pointer and and I was like, okay, this is my breed. <laughs> yep. I remember Ashley. She came to the uh, the first GDIY training camp. She won the, the uh, Dakota Kennel. Yep, exactly. That's yep. Ashley, her little boy, Cypress. Uh, he was six months old and I had my six month old uh, Vishla. And I kind of looked at her Vishla, uh, her uh, germ wire pointer. And I kind of looked at my Vishla and I was like, oh, this is not translating not for me. Yep. So I was like, I want that one. Yep. So do you, uh, did you rehome the Vishla? Yeah. So my, uh, her breeder and I kind of worked together. We ended up talking and I was like, to be honest, like she's not my, you know, meeting my goals. And now she lives in a million dollar mansion with, uh, <laughs> two wonderful people. And I was like, can you adopt me instead? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Vishla is not upset at all. She's living high on the hog there. She's absolutely in love. She has five acres to run around. I just actually heard that she recently got a little, uh, you know, a little, uh, another puppy and everything. So nice. they, she was very happy. Uh, she didn't want to be a hunting dog. It like, like one time she was uh, attacked by a pheasant through a, a you know, like a bird bag. Mm -hmm. The pheasant kind of went crazy and she was kind of attacked by it and she refused to track. She was like absolutely wow. terrified. It kind of like, she was a unique little kid. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's funny. I've never heard it quite put that way to where the wire hair is the mal of the, of the upland world. But I, yeah. I see it. I can. I mean, yeah. with that drive and intensity and like you said, mm -hmm. so, so do you currently still own mals as well? Yeah. So I have two Malinois. Uh, my, my first ever Malinois that I ever got was about six years ago. Um, and I, it was how I got into actual purebred dogs and, uh, looking into pedigrees. And it was all because of him, because I went down, I was living in California. I went down to Mexico and bought a Malinois for $300. Who's has nervy, you know, he's very nervy. He has, uh, not some slight aggression issues. He's always been a problem child of mine. And he actually got me into dog training too. It was all because of him that I was like, I need to probably learn how to be a dog trainer because, you know, I have this insane dog. <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got a special child. I need to go learn how to take care of essentially. Yeah, exactly. And then I have my other girl who's uh, more from herding line. So she's the one I do herding, uh, have done herding tests with. Um, and she's a lot, she's a complete polar opposite of him because she has great pedigree. Her family is amazing. All, uh, three of her, I mean, four of her uh, siblings and her father have been to Westminster. So she's a lot different than he is. So, so talk, what I, I want to hear more about this herding competition. Are we talking like the basic sheepdog border collie trials uh, and you're doing that with a male? Yeah, basic because uh, the Malinois were bred for herding competitions. Uh, her family, actually, uh, all of my girls' pedigree, uh, they are, uh, her breeder is on a farm out in Nevada. She uses her dogs actually as working dogs and she shows them and everything. So um, it is like, it's mostly the AKC for me. It was just like a quick uh, HT and PT title. Um, so it isn't actually, um, you know, I haven't got into the big stuff yet with because uh, the only herding dog trainer here in North Carolina is currently six. So we haven't been able to move up at all um but it is like just it's 
almost like the hunting dog test where it starts off with NA and then moves into a more advanced competition. So mm. I, I've always kind of had a, a, a love for that, that herding dog competition. You know, of course, growing up, you watch the movie Babe or whatever. And then, yeah, exactly. but, but I did the episode, it's probably been two years ago now. I did Fonzie yeah. Bassan and, and I just, it, I'm going to be going to one of those competitions at some point live because it's just, it's so neat watching those dogs work from that, such a distance with such little communication. Yeah. yeah, it is. And it's uh, her sister. Uh, I mean, all of her family has done a lot better. I mean, a lot more than her because I've kind of moved into hunting dogs. So it's like, I haven't had time for her, which is my fault and everything. But um, her sister, I think is one of the first Malinois to uh, complete the, uh, French ring was, which is a new uh, type of herding, which I can't get into all that because I don't know exactly it, but her <laughs> breeder has done amazing things with the Malinois and people don't really like think about Malinois with herding because they're now used mostly as police to military dogs, but that is their origin. And they are often used like for her breeder, like as herding dogs. Mm. So that's, that's interesting. French ring. It's, I just recorded an episode with a guy on Mondio ring and, you know, French yeah. ring kind of worked his way exactly. in there. So it's just funny. So, a small world and like one circuit leads to the next and overlap and yeah. all that stuff. And that's why the Malinois are kind of like a big versatile because you can do anything with them. They're used in sports, like, you know, dock dives. Some of her sisters do uh, scent work and everything. So all it's all over the place what every owner does and yeah. everything. So, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. So let's jump back into the hunting dog world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Besides the tractor supply and you seeing the magazine and everything, did you, did you always have like a desire to go hunting or was it, did the dog bring you to hunting? The dog brought me to hunting. It was definitely, uh, I'll be honest. I know people don't usually like hearing that, but I was more into it for the testing side. I wanted to get into like, uh, testing my dogs and a uh, senior hunter, master hunter. That's where I was more interested in doing. And then maybe, and then more like com confirmation in like the sporting side, but because of my girl, I ended up in NAVDA and immersed in the training in the hunting world. And I've gone out and done my first couple of hunts because of her. And I'm, I'm not from a hunting background. My parents are very much, uh, city folks as i said my mom is uh immigrated over from uh hungary she never hunted uh she's very much like leave me on a beach in florida and my dad is from the dominican republic so definitely you know they're not hunting people at all yeah. they're uh so I somehow was born in the wrong family. I've always been a little country kid. Uh, I used to ride horses and everything, compete horses. So like I was always the one that loved animals. So gotcha. So, so walk, walk me through, I mean, we're about to obviously jump into the training and preparation yeah. and your experience testing, but I have to hear about your first experience hunting. Your, you, your girl finally got you out there to actually go hunting. What did you do? Woodcock hunting or, or what did you do? It was down a duck there? hunt. It was a duck hunt. Duck uh, hunt. I actually, so it was quite interesting. I actually didn't have anybody guide me. I did all the research myself. So I live right by the ga uh, Sand Hills game lands, five minutes away. I called NC wildlife. I've researched all the game lands to see where you were allowed to hunt and everything. Because actually North Carolina has a really good, uh, like, website for the you know their wildlife so they have interactive maps so you can see where uh you can hunt and everything and like the uh what animals are usually found and so i called them i was like hey is duck hunting allowed on such and such ground because i train over there all the time you're allowed to train on the sand hills game lands three days a week and i saw like at night wood like a, in the evening like wood ducks just flying overhead and i was like you gotta be able to hunt here so uh, opening weekend in October, after finding out that I was allowed to hunt, um, 
I did a bunch of like scouting. I was driving in my truck all over the backwoods and I would took my binoculars out. I was searching everywhere. And I saw a wood duck fly in a swamp and land there. And I was like, Oh, this is clearly the spot. <laughs> Yeah. Next morning was opening morning. I went out in the mid, like 5 a.m. in the morning waiting for, you know, the sunrise and 20, 20 wood ducks show up in my little, a little spot. I ended up finding it's a Friday morning. I didn't hit anything. I'm, I'm a horrible shot. She sat there patiently looking like this sucks, <laughs> but it was, it was honestly amazing. It was beautiful to watch. I mean, I know I, I wish I would have walked away with a duck, but, uh, to watch them fly in, to watch all of her training where she sat there patiently watching the ducks, watching me miss. And then her just actually like, uh, uh, and then watching the ducks in general, these wild wood ducks, it was just uh, beautiful to watch them fly and zip around. And I mean, in the moment too, I was like, I kind of mad about the fact that I missed them. But then at the same time, I was like, it was just all together. It came together in that moment. And I was like, this is, you know, something I always dreamed about taking her out and doing. And the fact that we actually got to do it was really impressive. So, yeah. So yeah. I, I have to ask you, it's more typical with mallards or these, uh, these other, uh, bigger ducks, but every now and then if they buzz you the right way, you get the whistling wings from the wood ducks. Yeah. Did, did you get to witness the whistling wings as they kind of soared right over you? I did. I actually kind of heard them before, like that's kind of a, so the night before when I was scouting and everything, I heard them like coming in and everything. So it was kind of weird. It was like the first couple of times when they flew by and didn't realize that's what it was. And then I kind of like started like, I don't know. It kind of started getting like putting two and two together in my head where I was like, that's them. And then like the night that uh, I went hu uh, hunting two days in a row and I knew before they were even coming, like I could hear them coming and I was like, and then I got ready. And it's, it's uh, like, it's a whole different world compared to training is actually getting out there hunting. I was, I'm still like, I'm still mad. I didn't walk away with anything, but at the same time I was like, I was just so altogether impressed by it all. So yeah. Again, I need to hear more a little bit on, so you, you've clearly been training for a while you, yes. you're from the mal getting ready for tests and all that stuff, but yeah. fast forward through all that and you're actually doing the activity that you've trained for, you've tested for, you, yeah. you know, kind of try and put it into words a little bit more on what it was like to actually see your girl, not only go out there and, and know what's going on, but actually did it correctly like you said she held steady while you weren't you weren't successful quote unquote you yeah. still got to see that it translated from the training field into the actual real blind yeah um as far as all that um i i i definitely saw how the training ended up really helping her because i'll be honest like i got so curious is my first term white hair pointer i got her for free uh, but <laughs> from Oklahoma, uh, two years, I got her in 20 August, 2020. She was my birthday present to myself. Um, and she had some training because she came from a, uh, a gun dog trainer and I absolutely love Belinda, but I've done all the training herself. And technically the first ever hunt I went on was at a preserve and she broke in and stole like 10 of the birds and like brought them back to hand and was like, this is what you want. Right. <laughs> so I don't really count that as the first actual hunt because it was disastrous to be true to be fair. Um, I shot maybe like four out of the t 20 birds. I like, you know, paid for and then the other 10 she brought back to hand like she was like this is perfect for me and <laughs> it was uh, yeah so i don't actually count that as a true hunting story um but in truth uh after 
it's been two years of, you know, rigorous training. It's been two years of like Scott Codwell has been amazing. He uh, taught me a lot. He was a mentor to me for a good while. And he, uh, and he helped a lot with her training and see, and then I also went to utility tests and got to see how it all runs. And between those two years of training and going out in competition, and then she also did her UT tests and, uh, the fall of this year in September, it's like, it suddenly all just clicked together. And she was just, I was like, she, it just suddenly was like, she's a finished dog. Like this is her, she's suddenly has it all together where, you know, it, she just matured all, all of a sudden, like in front of my face, I didn't realize it, that there's my, there's my hunting dog. Like the dog I've put so many years into, it's just, it was there that moment that and I look back on it because I don't really think about it too much, but I'm like, yeah, in that moment, it was like, this is what we've been training for. And it all of a sudden just makes sense. Like, you know, two years of hard work is just suddenly in front of me. It's a, it's amazing how that happens and, and I would I would argue that the average person in the dog world doesn't even get to experience that to where something that takes so, no. so long and such dedication and dog yeah. training is uphill downhill uphill downhill yeah. go backwards go forward it's just it's constant bang your head but when it all comes together and that light bulb's no longer flickering it just stays yeah. on and you just go out and it's, I think anybody that's experienced it in the dog world can pinpoint the exact walk in the field or hunt, whatever it is, when they see all of this work and the ups and downs, it's done. Like that, yeah. it makes sense. It clicks yeah. and it's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I think in that moment when I was sitting out there in the swamp, just like I, you know, with my $40 waiters, I bought off Facebook marketplace. <laughs> uh, I was just like, I watched her just watching the birds and waiting for me. And I was just like, yeah, it's all of a sudden, like, this is what we were actually working for. Besides the, when we got the utility, when our, we got our UT prize, it was, uh, it was like putting all together. I was like, this is just if she's an adult and she's just I don't know she's she's my first everything and she will always be my heart dog and like I, I this dog this dog is the most special dog and uh, she's literally sitting on my lap again like I told her to go to place and she she always does this I tell her to go to place and she slowly crawls over to my feet and she's like I'm actually supposed to be right here so I was about to say, she thinks that's yeah. her place right there yeah well, yeah exactly she knows <laughs> so to backtrack a little bit sorry I know this isn't the most linear no, no. podcast edition here but uh so to backtrack can you can you recall what it was like going from the mouths into the hunting dog world and like you said your goal was testing you know it's a little bit yeah. different to where you know there's a uh, there's clear overlap and, and similarities yeah. between hunting and testing that's the whole point of it yeah but with your goal going into it being testing kind of describe to me what it was like the learning curve first starting out and and venturing into this to where like you said you thought you're getting getting into AKC you later figured out what NAVDA was kind of yeah. just walk me through what it was like gathering your head around the task so that you can actually go out there and perform at these tests at a high level um I don't know when it really kind of like solidified that it was going to be a lot more work for me but it definitely was like, I, I, I think it was after that hunt where it went really like sideways that it was like, oh, it's not just going to be like, you know, she's just going to hold steady. It's like, it's going to, I mean, I, I knew that I was a trainer and everything, but I didn't realize how much advanced technique it actually takes to train a more finished gun dog. You know, it, I didn't, I, I think it was, it was so much more technical than I actually realized it would actually get into. And I think it was kind of after that, um, 
after that hunt and everything that uh, when she was breaking into birds and she was just running around having the time of her life that I kind of realized that, you know, there needs to be, there is a next step because for me at that point, it was just kind of like I had finished, I had raised that Vishla puppy through the NA kind of stuff. And she was kind of like still doing NA stuff, but I realized there was a lot more technical stuff to it. And that's also where I ended up kind of being like, I need to find a mentor that will help me. And that's also where Scott kind of ended up coming in because I, I needed more help and everything. So it, it, it was a learning curve because this is a, a gun dog training is a completely different world than actual obedience training. It is in some ways obedience, but it is a lot of instinct too, that you have to work off of. So it's, it's obedience. You have to have that foundation cooperation, yes. but it's also a balancing act between independence, yes. drive, and yes. cooperation and, that, yeah. and that's what i love all about it to where it's just like i i've yet i mean there, there's other circuits other types of dogs out there but you know outside of the just working dogs in general that's that's what gets me fl- excited about it yeah. getting to see them yeah. work and th- it's the balancing act is if you do too much obedience you're taking away a little bit of that independence if you only do independence, then you have a dog that's not going to hunt for you or the gun. If there's no cooperation, you're not enjoying the hunt. So it's just like kind of what you're describing. It it all melds together. And if you don't have somebody, like you said, Scott, help mentor you or kind of guide you a little bit. If you don't have somebody kind of setting you on, in a path to understand that, it's an uphill battle. It is. And I, I don't think I could have ever done this on my own because videos don't do it justice. And uh, just like seeing that one your one dog over and over again, it doesn't really help. Like I seeing multiple dogs really helped me. And then I, I, I'm a member of two different NABDA clubs, Tar Hill and Foothills uh, here in North Carolina, but there are all together now four different NABDA clubs in North Carolina. There's the Carolina chapter, there's the uh, Coastal Plains chapter out in Snow Hill and obviously Foothills and, Car- uh, and Tar Hill. Hill. So I've been to many different NAVDA days. I mean, pretty much every weekend at this point has been dedicated. There are some weeks and months where I'm like, okay, I got to take a break mentally yeah. and just go do something else. But um, I've been to a lot of different NAVDA days. I've uh, watched a lot of dogs run in the utility field, a lot of different breeds. And I know as much as you can say, like, you know, you've done your one dog. I think the more dogs that you get behind, the more you see, because in general, it's a, uh, it's different dogs. Every dog handles everything differently. And every uh, person has trained their dogs. It's all the same in the end, but for some reason there's, di- there's a multitude of paths to take, to get to that point. So it's kind of a, uh, I think uh, the best way to really train is to actually get out there. And if you're like the first time you, for me, like the first time, if you're a first time, uh, you know, gun dog train, you know, hop, you know, raising your own gun dog and everything. I suggest just getting out and walking behind as many finished dogs as you can to see where that path can lead you. Because I think without NAVDA and without Scott and, you know, uh, anybody, I would have not known what I was doing. Yeah. I don't think I would get he- where I'm at right now. So I, I would yeah. argue that is the biggest benefit of of NAVDA. I tell everybody if, if, I get asked all the time, you know, uh, brand new, I want to get a hunting dog, don't even know where to begin, what kind of breed I want. I'm like, go to a NAVDA training day. And I'm not saying that because you have to train or do the testing or any of that stuff. I'm saying that because that is the one place you can go and see a wide variety of breeds 
at all different levels with different styles and everything. And it can be a lot for, for a newbie or a new person that doesn't really understand what they're even looking at. But to me, it's just for you to figure out what kind of dog or breed that you want to get. To me, that's, that's the best option for you, in my opinion. I, I do. I 100% agree with you because I mean, that's where I ended up meeting my first German wire hair pointer. And that's where I was like, Oh, that's my breed. Because, <laughs> you know, and that's where I kind of, I, I as I went in, in, I saw that there were better Vishlas and everything. So I'm not dishing the Vishlas at all. I know there's a lot better Vishlas out there than what I had in my girl. But um, in general, I've seen like a multitude of, uh, of new breeds. And like, I, I think I saw a Picard, uh, Picardi Spaniel the other, like a few, yeah. uh, few nab the days ago. And it's just, I love seeing the different breeds. I am a breed enthusiast. I love seeing different breeds of dogs. Uh, the Brocco Italiano is now really big and everything. And it's just, I, I think at NABDA, it's the best way that you're going to be able to see it because videos don't do it justice. Same with training. Like you can watch a thousand videos online, but until you see it, uh, like hunt behind a hundred dogs and train behind a hundred dogs, you're not going to have the same experience. So, yeah. yeah. And, and ultimately that's what separates the pro trainers from the amateur trainers is just getting the experience, getting their hands on that many dogs. And that's, it's funny that you, you falling into this world, it kind of trickled into your professional life as well. Do you want to get into that? Like, I want to know at what point did Gabby like, you know what? I like dogs enough. I want to do this for a profession. Like, like I said, it was because of that Malinois that I bought for $300. Uh, (laughs) She was the reason why I got into dog training. Uh, So I started off in the horse world. I was in competitive horseback riding. I did eventing. Um, And then I kind of uh, trickled out of that because I was like this it's expensive. Horseback riding is expensive. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Like they're crazy expensive. And I was kind of like, you know, I was, I was grooming for Olympic rider and I was leaving him kind of like transitioning out. And I ended up finding a job at guide dogs of the desert. And I was a kennel tech for guide dogs, uh, which are guide dogs for the blind. And I watched them work with working dogs. That was my first experience with real working dogs. And that kind of sparked the passion for me where I was like, I want to be a dog trainer. And then that was just, you know, years ago where I'm now I'm like, I'm like knee deep or like waist deep in dog training. I mean, I, my job is dog training. My hobby is dog training. When I come home, I'm thinking about what my dogs can do next and everything. I'm, I'm, I eat, breathe and breathe and sleep with, the, you know, dogs everywhere. I'm like, I like, sometimes I'm like, even my vacations for my PTO for work usually is dog training or going off for a dog competition. So, yeah. And that's super interesting because I, I don't know your entire resume or, or where you've been, but just the fact that you're working with guiding dogs, then then you worked over at Scott's with the hunting dogs, and now you're working with bomb dogs. It, you're, <laughs> you are literally living what I preach all the time. Dog training is dog training. It's just like you're doing a little bit of everything. And so kind of walk me through what that's been like to where it's just like, it sounds like there's no trouble getting you fired up over these subjects. The the trouble may be like keeping you focused on just one of them. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, dog training. I I don't know where to start really with when it comes to dog training, because I absolutely, I mean, that's like a love passion of mine. I just can't get enough of it. Um, I, like you said, I currently work for a company that trains bomb dogs and everything. I train, I, I, every time I say this, people think I'm insane, but I train 22 dogs a day. 
on my truck. I have the 22 hole truck and every day I train 22 labs every day for bomb. Uh, they're the future bomb dogs. Uh, I currently do the green dog program where I'm developing the young dogs, which was a passion of mine working for Scott too. I love watching the young ones kind of come up and everything and just suddenly hit their first bird and just snap and turn and just, you know, smell their first quail and watch it fly off and then do their first point. And it's the same with uh, the gun dog uh, with the green, uh, the green dogs for bomb dogs and everything there. We do a lot of hunts and a lot of searches and a lot of drive building. So uh, all together, like I, I, I could talk about dogs all day long, I, but for me, it translates the same with uh, guide dogs, uh, uh, bomb dogs and hunting dogs all have the same uh, thing in common. It's about drive and desire and if a dog doesn't have that it, they're not going to be able to do it and i have uh on the green dog truck i have been developing a lot of dogs where i'm building that drive i'm building that desire they i want them to eat sleep and think all day about just hunting and finding their balls and going out and because the, we do a lot of ball searches that eventually translate into uh that eventually translate into sniffing for bombs. And uh, that's the same thing for a hunting dog is at first, they don't really understand what they're searching for until suddenly it's like you put them on their first quail and they just, they just realize like, this is life. This is what I want to do. And that's, it's just beauty to me. I'm like, it's just absolutely yeah. poetry for me is just watching them suddenly realize like, I absolutely endure this. And for me, I, I, that's the same thing with the uh, with the Malinois, with their herding competitions. It's the same thing with the uh, hunting dogs. It's the same thing with the bomb dogs. I like seeing dogs that were bred to do something, do it. Yep. Like, I like to see them, like, uh, the hunting dogs are bred to be, you know, bird hunters. And just watch them, like, my puppies, for the first time, like, see a quail put down in front of them and then just come alive. It's just absolutely, like, I just, you know, I love it. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's one of those. And, and there's something to learn and glean from each one of them, right? Yeah. What, I yeah. mean, whether you're talking jag terriers and, and, and chasing the rats or hogs and or the stock cattle dogs, those, those suckers are cool. I mean, it's just like... Like no matter what, to your point, it's it's working dogs in general. So, t tell me, it, it's time I got to ask the same two questions that I do all all on on these profiles. Number one, I need to I need to hear a screw up story, something that oh, you I did in the field, a training screw up that that immediately as soon as it happened, you're like, you know what, I'm never letting this happen again. I actually thought about that one and I had made my major screw up at my uh, girl's utility test. Um, so we were doing great all day. And uh, there were a few parts of the utility test where I was like, oh, we have this in the bag. Like, I know she's solid on this. And uh, one of them was the duck drag. She has an amazing track. And it was like, it was the one thing that I was perfectly comfortable with where I was like, I got this. I can easily like, uh, we just finished duck search, which is our hardest, you know, subject for her. I'm talking about school and I'm like, it's our hardest part for her. Um, and so we were finished, we just finished that. And now we were on to the easy duck drag and literally, uh, I send her, uh, we go over to the duck, uh, the pile of feathers. I put her nose down and I'm like, pat, pat, pat. And then I'm like, okay. And then I was like, hunt him up. And that's not her word. <laughs> she kind of like turns around, looks at me. And then she runs off uh -oh. and I'm like, and I'm like her word for, uh, her track is, uh, uh, you know, duck. And I just, you know, I just, usually I have her pat, pat, pat. And then I say duck and she goes off and she d does a beautiful track every single time. And this time I say hunt him up, which is what I usually say in the field where she runs off and, you know, we do a field uh -oh. search. 
And so she kind of ended up running around the feet. And I kind of looked at my judges and I looked at her and I was like, I just screwed this up royally. And uh, she ended up running around the field uh, looking for her duck. And then she just kind of comes back and she comes into a heel and she's like, I don't, I don't get this at all. Like we, <laughs> she's like, uh, she's out there hunting for actual hunt and I haven't moved at all. And instead, uh, so the judges are like, okay, redo it. And I, redid it and i said you know duck and as soon as she goes out and uh on that command she goes she finds the duck and she brings it right back to hand and just comes into a heel and does a beautiful heel and i'm like on the day of the test on the one you know part where i thought i was so confident in i end up screwing up (laughs) and saying the wrong word would you contribute that that handler error to being overly confident or would you consider or would you contribute it to maybe like some test jitters and you're just kind of rushing yourself it was a mixture of both. Uh, I think I was confident in the fact that I was like, oh, I, this is, you know, I knew, I, I don't know. I kind of was like, I, in my head, I always track sorry, where she's at and everything. So uh, I was like kind of tracking what we were, how we were doing. Um, so it was a little bit of overconfidence and it was test jitters. I was absolutely exhausted. Uh, the test was running extremely long. Like it was about 5 p.m. At, uh, already. Yeah. So this, and even the judges are like, this is taking forever today for some reason. Like, so we were all exhausted and it was my, she's my first utility dog. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a mixture of both test nerves and overconfidence. Yeah. And so that's why I'm like, my, uh, anything can keep you humble. It's your own dog. Yeah. So yeah, she nice. definitely humbled me right then and there. And she was like, hm, the wrong word, yeah. <laughs> not happening. Uh, that's, yeah. That's a good one. That, that is a good reminder. Cause I, I, yeah. I mean, consistency matters and that, and that, that command, it's just so your dog immediately was just like, Oh uh, uh, yeah, makes sense. So that, yeah. that's a good yeah. one. Uh, last question. Uh, you've been listening for a while. We've kind of, we kind of met a few years ago. What's yeah. your favorite episode, guest topic, something that, that you found relatable in the podcast over the years? So most recent, my favorite episode was actually you guys' trip to Montana. Uh, oh, yeah, Montana. Right? Okay. Honestly, I laughed my butt off listening to that episode. I, I felt like I was right there. And I it's been a goal of mine to head out west and hunt and over, you know, while, you know, I want to actually hit up. Uh, huns and everything and uh, grass uh, sage uh, sage grouse and everything so it's been a long goal a long time goal of mine since I practically got in my first uh, hunting dog and now it's like you uh you guys's trip ended up making me so jealous and I laughed <laughs> my butt off, butt off listening to your episode about that and in general that has been probably one of my favorite episodes really uh to listen to and another one is uh, a puppy episode that you guys did a couple of years I like listening to any of the puppy episodes about how to choose a puppy what's the right puppy for you and just all that in general has been you know those two episodes or that subject about puppy choosing has always been my favorite really so Find the right breeder for you. That's probably back in the puppy series. I think I yeah, did last exactly. year. So. Yeah, yeah. The puppy series that you did last year was yeah one yeah. of my favorite series. I so. think I think that episode, if I remember correctly, because there's four or five in that series. I think that was one was with the Carters. Yeah, I do believe so. Yeah, I'm, I tried looking back and everything. I was like, there. That series in general has been very fun for me. Uh, I I just I, I always adore puppies. So yeah. like I said, like green dogs, the uh, young hunting dogs. It, those are always for some reason, my favorite where I yeah. just, you know, so see, listening to that episode too was really fun. You, so. you like seeing that light bulb starting to flicker. Yeah. 
I do. I love seeing that. I, I love my uh, adult dogs too. I love seeing that, uh, th- those milestones and adult dogs, but for some reason, puppies always hold my heart where I just <laughs> seeing that, seeing them on their first quail, like my, my, uh, I raised the litter this or at the beginning of the year and, uh, I put them on quail at five weeks old and watching them all try to like pounce on it and tear <laughs> it apart and chasing around the yard. I was just like, Oh, I love them. Yeah, so love it. Yeah. Well, Gabby, I, I'm glad that we're finally able to make this happen. And, yeah. and, you know, it's it's been really neat and exciting. I mean, I know that, you know, you and I don't know each other very well, but it's been kind of neat watching you develop from afar and, and seeing you where where you are now and in the world that you love. And, and you're going to have to yeah. keep me updated on the uh, the the cattle or the uh, herding competition because yeah. I'm going to have to check one of those out in person myself as well. Yeah. I think they're just, it's just like the hunting dogs. It's watching them do what they were bred to do. Sometimes you see different breeds. Like I know I've seen a poodle show up and show up to some, you know, before. So it, it's, you know, any do- type of dog can do it. But watching like a dog bred to do it is absolutely just like watching a hunting dog, you know, work a field. So it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Well, Gabby, I appreciate your time and sharing your story. I, I, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, we'll, I enjoyed we'll, it too. we'll catch up and stay in touch for sure. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high grade lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.